Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Alan Patel. And I'm Naomi Sheldon. And we're your hosts of The Pleasure Podcast. I'm a doctor specialising in sexual function. And I'm a writer with an interest in the internet. We talk to guests to help us understand the relationship we have with our bodies when it comes to sex and intimacy. It's a whole new kind of sex education for your owl... Careful. ...pleasure. <laughs> our guest this week is the retired doctor and psychotherapist Wood Kienotten. The gorgeous accent you're about to hear is from the Netherlands. He meandered through surgery, tropical medicine, gynaecology, contraception and common sexology and finally settled in the area where chronic diseases, cancer, physical impairment and ageing are important factors that can disturb the pleasures of sexuality and intimacy. In the Netherlands we have probably the best sexuality education in the world. Mm. Already at an early age, children get sexuality education and, and a lot of other countries are very scared. They think because you give sexuality education at an early age, children will have sex at an early age. Good, good education prepares people also to think about, am I ready for that or not? Yes. And we have much less sexual transmitted diseases than in the UK. We have much less teenage abortions and much less teenage pregnancies. Yeah. But it's very different for the UK, and particularly for medical training. I lecture at a university in the South, and I do the only lecture in five years, um, which is 45 minutes long, on psychosexual issues. I ask the group each time I lecture there, what else have you been, what have you been taught? And they said, this is it. And so it's not really changing at the moment in medical school education, but I am very hopeful for the future. You have the Victorian history, and in Europe, we regularly joke about, no sex please, we are British. <laughs> and that's quite common for part of the British society because you have mere, uh, how to say, a bit of prudish society. Yeah, very repressed. Yeah. yeah. And that means you, you are not open. Yeah. We, on the other side, in the Netherlands, we are very open. Yeah. Even if we don't agree with it, we are very open. <laughs> so coming out in the Netherlands is much more common than in the UK. You have just as much gay people as in the Netherlands, but in the Netherlands many more have come out. And when you have come out, you're more happy. Mm. Come out, come out, come out. Come out is in my work and in my teaching is not only about being gay or lesbian or straight, but also I have cancer. I'm incontinent. Uh, my breasts are sagging a little bit. If you are scared to show that, you won't enter into a relationship. If you say at a given moment, sorry, but uh, I'm in a wheelchair, sorry, I'm incontinent, uh, but I love to make love to you. Oh, why not? <laughs> That's very different. So coming out is, in, in many areas, so important. Yeah, openness. One of my hobbies was what we call the health benefits of sexual expression. Or simplified, when you have sex, you will stay more healthy. When you have sex, you will live longer. When you have sex, more sex, you will have less Alzheimer. 
wow, that is fascinating. So uh, yesterday I was teaching in the Netherlands. I had a group of cancer nurses and I told them men and women who have more sex have less cognitive decline. I told my students maybe in 25 years the government will say not only an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but also an orgasm a day <laughs> or three, three a week is okay. Well, I was okay. going to ask about that as well. I was going to ask about, sure, so more sex throughout your life might improve your health. Yes. But also, what quality of sex are we talking about? Because, yeah. you know, what if actually sex isn't particularly satisfying for you, but you maybe you've got yes. a partner who has a high libido? It's good, it's good that you're a woman because as a man, I tend to forget, but there is quite a lot of difference between men and women. The, if, if you look to the real, the, the bare data on aging and sexuality, men live longer when they had more ejaculation. Mm. Women live longer when they had a more satisfactory sex life. Right, so more it's good sex more, <laughs> is the way forward. Yes, it, but be careful. If you say good sex, yeah. If a man hears good sex, yeah. he has a very different idea as what a woman feels being good sex. Yeah. Satisfaction is more about intimacy. And that's yeah. one of the typical uh, changes if you compare people of 25 years of age and people of 80 years of age. When you are 80, when you grow older, there is much more intimacy. And for young people, it's performance sexuality. Mm -hmm. We have to, so many orgasms, good penetration, good erection, and the women say, okay, I'll comply. Mm -hmm. But if you look at a higher age, then our erection goes down a little bit, mm -hmm. and then women get more possibilities. And that, I, I love that kind of research where they can show that at higher age, women love sex more than men. I just find this sort of, deeply optimistic, <laughs> happy-making, <laughs> that it, you know, it gets better as, as you get older for women. But, it, but yes. how interesting that that seems to be in direct correspondence to men finding erections harder to get. You know, when, as long as I have an erection, I'm focusing on my erection. Then when I lose my erection, after a while you say, okay, no erection, but she still has beautiful breasts and I love my body and I love the kissing and the hugging. <laughs> so we're talking about non-penetrative sex. Yes. Good sex is not the sex of that what you not have, but what you have. It's like the empty glass or, or the, the half, half full empty. and yeah. the half empty glass. Yeah. And that's, of course, what I've learned a lot in both in cancer, but especially in physical rehabilitation, people get a spinal cord injury, people get a stroke, and then people who get into rehabilitation, that are the people who want to go on. And they are able to make sex even with half a body. And that's so instructive for me. I love it's that, it's what you do have, not what you don't. Yes. And the real thing about those people that do well tend to be the ones that recognize that the old them has passed. That's why we, I used to call it the new me and the new we mm -hmm. after cancer, but that's the same after spinal cord injury, after any traumatic experience. You are different, the new me. Am I able to deal with this or that or that and refine? Yeah, relearning who you are actually and what your body's capable of. The trouble with man is we have been brought up so much by focusing on our penises. 
And then you get a big bunch of professionals called sexual medicine. And they are focusing so much on erection that we are part of the, we have become part of the problem. We are so much focusing on erection, forgetting that the body is much bigger. The erection, okay, let, let it be 20 centimeters, <laughs> but there is so much more on a man. Yes, yeah. So we had to learn. In, in the beginning, this society was the society of impotence research. And then gradually they discovered that there is a man behind the penis. Wow! <laughs> and then they discovered that frequently there is a partner behind the man. Wow! And it's gradual development. Gosh, weird, this penis worship. I once was in Japan where you have this very big three meter wooden penis. And I was standing there and a lot of women came there writing on little pieces of paper and put it on the, in the urethra of that penis. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I realized it's most probable all about getting a boy because women will have fertility problems and they want to get a boy. For two, three, four thousand years we've been putting penises everywhere. Uh, although previously that, you know, there were some cultures there were, I think the Mesopotamians used to have a much more sort of maternalist culture where the fertility goddesses were very much displayed with their vulvas and, and grand breasts and sort of fertile hips were on full display. So there was, I think, more balance in yeah. some ways. I've been reading this great book called Fruit of Knowledge, which talks about the history of the vulva and the vagina and talks about these brilliant images that have just sort of been lost to history, where people would have sort of like a woman holding open her vulva on the top of a door, like it's a sort of yeah. good luck symbol. But we just don't, we just don't connect to that. But that's to what cultures are doing. And, and we were talking a little bit about breast cancer this morning. and. and uh, when you look at breast cancer, if you live in the United States and you lose your breast, you're completely gone because your identity is very dependent on your breast. When I worked in Africa, I saw a lot of women who were giving breastfeeding to the children and that's what, what culture is doing. So it's eroticized the breast rather than yes. teaching it as a natural body You work. You won't read any American porn story on heterosexuality without the size of the breasts. Mm. It's always mentioned. And I, when I read that, I said, I have, I have no idea what is B or C or D or centimeters. <laughs> That's for them the norm. Mm. And in the United States, you don't show a nipple on television, but you can show eight rapes and two killings uh, in half an hour, but no nipple. Mm. Yeah. We are a, a fantastic country. <laughs> <laughs> in sexuality, be aware there is a very big range of possibilities but it depends a little bit on what we call the why of sexuality why do people have sex if i ask my students why do people have sex then the, the common answer by women is yeah, because of love and the common answer by men is because of fun or adventure or lust and then of course getting children and to be honest, most people have sex because of habit, because last week we did it also after the bold and beautiful and that <laughs> kind of things. But one of my colleagues, they found 237 different arguments for intercourse. Oh. In my own patient population, in wheelchair, and people with cancer, and people in the terminal stage of their diseases, I got arguments which were not even in those 237. Wow. I, for instance, because I was dealing a lot with uh, cancer, regularly I got contact with people in the last two months. And then what was fascinating, 
some people had more sex than they had in the last 15 years, in this period. And why did they have it? For some, because they were so crossed on God or the partner or whatever, and it's, sex can be a way to deal with your emotions. Mm. But there were also people who had sex because of saying goodbye, mm. just by sexual contact, saying bye-bye to your partner, which is fantastic because later on, the one who stays behind has very good, sweet memories. Mm. And that's very good if you can give that kind of legacy to your partner. Oh gosh, how that makes me feel very teary. That's yeah. very, very sad. It's isn't very it? moving, but beautiful, but, but like really sad. That's what happens in people. But the other side is that I have also had couples where one of the two said, hey, you once had that relationship with Mary and I don't want you to go there when I'm dead. <laughs> that happens also. It's, and, but also women who say, John, I don't think it's good if you stay alone. I didn't like it when you had this relationship with Ingrid, but I know Ingrid is alone also now. Please try to refine her and stay together. It's not good for you to be alone. So that's, that's part of intimacy. Yes. And that intimacy happens, I think, much more. That's what I see in my own relationship, and but what I hear a lot in aged couples. Um, I think some people find it, I don't know if it's particularly in this day and age or not, but harder to think of older bodies as naturally sexy and sexual. Mm, we never see it in the media. We hardly, we're just starting to see it in t certain TV shows yes. where you have older couples being represented and, and, like, and having sex. Well, but I mean, not even kissing. I mean, you might get a peck on the cheek. It has started yeah. to change. I have seen a blowjob recently. Yeah, on um, on a TV show. I'm gonna close my mouth now. What? But the fact that it was sort of shocking and but wonderful shows. Yes. That, I mean, it's so underrepresented. It was um, called Back to Life, okay. and there's a, these parents who have stopped having sex, and the wife is frustrated and is trying to get him back into rhythm, and so it gives him a blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unsuccessfully, I might add, but yeah. never mind. <laughs> but even that is good for the relationship. Mm but also good for health. I have also heard that people, as you've said, who later on in life actually have some of the most intimate, sexually exciting times of their lives. There is from uh, United States, 1980s, the, the, the famous Star and Weiner report where 60 or 70 percent of the people said, of aged people said, my sex life is much better than when I was young. It, when I was young, I had children, I had my career, I had a lot of things to do, I had to perform well. And now, I, I, okay, let me tell you, I got a man who was sent to me, he was 84 years of age, 62 years married. He said, you know doctor, no children at home, no more job, cuddling we did every day, but intercourse only two or three times a week. <laughs> And that's the reality for part of the aged people. Yeah. They have time, they enjoy it, why not do it? Yeah. I think that's really important about giving yourself time and space and separation. Yes. To I mean, some of it's actually having some time away from your partner can be quite helpful in, in making you realise, oh, actually, I am fond of them, I am missing them a bit, because mm -hmm. spending too much time can be an issue. But when you are actually together, and there is all that lovely, luxuriant nature of that time, 
and you can spend time lying in bed in the morning, there is more likelihood that the erection that you get then or the sexual arousal that you get then might be acted upon that you don't have to get out of bed for work. You don't have to get out of bed to get the kids to school or whatever it is that you have that you think is going to take up your day. Your phone, for example. I slightly worry that as we, my partner get older, that actually the first thing we're going to reach for is not going to be each other, but our phones. So apart from the sort of this more time and spending more physical contact with each other, what else do you think people do when they get older that's helping their sexual relationships? Accept your body. Mm-hmm. And that is, when, when you look at young people and, and you look at the glossy magazines or look at the, the movies, then all men have a six pack and all women have beautiful curves. But that's reality for 1% of the population. 99% don't have, but we still have the ID. And then people grow older, and then what you see, what I hear a lot in women, then when they get close to the menopause, they say, now this is the end of sexuality. Nobody will find me attractive anymore. And I know from my wife, she had that scare a little bit, but she had an older sister. She said, come on, piss off. This is the most beautiful time of your life. <laughs> my wife was, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, she was at a meeting, she's 74, she was at a meeting and a lot of men were looking at her and saying, wow, she gets so much attention. But she has to be open. If you believe I'm not attractive, you don't see that any man is or any woman is watching you. But when you accept yourself, then a lot of things happen. Confidence so, is really important. You, know, you can see a confident person so, the way they walk. So and important. They seem more attractive. It doesn't matter necessarily what they look and like. It, it, what you, you see that perfect in girls of 16 years of age. They get a pimple where mother doesn't know where the pimple is, but you, you don't want even to go to school because everybody can see my pimple. You look to what is there and not what is not there. So many women now at age 80 say, shit, I was so beautiful when I was young. I always was insecure. And now I am secure about my body much more. There is a, there is a beautiful cartoon. Two very real, very old women. 60 years ago, we were old and beautiful. Now we are only beautiful. <laughs> That's lovely. If you can accept what is there, both in appearance and in function, then you can go on a lot. I see that people in, in a wheelchair, you, you've got a famous woman here in UK with multiple sclerosis who has been in a wheelchair in one of those women's magazines, completely in the nude in a wheelchair, photographed by one of the top photographers. She, she had some time before she could accept, this is my body, this is my, I, and I can't do anything, but this is me. Let me accept my body and who I am. Yes. This is what it, it looks like. And it's in fact the same after prostate cancer and the same with aging. I accept my body. If I don't get an erection, it's a lot of fun without erection. God, I think back to how much time I spent sort of not liking it. I lost my hair when I was 15. So obviously you're thinking, God, I'm this sort of balding, furry, fat gay boy, which is not actually, did not seem ideal at the school I was in or the culture I was in, etc. at the time. And I was very unaccepting of that. And it's taken a long time to get to the point of going, yeah, I'm a 
bald, fat, paunchy, hairy person, that's kind of fine. You know, there is a, a, there is a market for that, and I am, I'm comfortable with that, and my partner seems to be quite comfortable with that. So actually, why not stop whipping myself and making myself miserable for so much part of the day when I could spend it looking outwards rather than inwards and being therefore more open? And I forget the times that you know people who are clearly interested in me sexually were coming on to me. I had no idea. I had friends going, you know, that person, they want, want to clearly get, get on with you. I'm going, who? Oh. I just thought they were friendly. Condoms or whatever are not just for preventing babies. Yes. They're there for STIs. Let's say now, if you're 25, you know about asking condoms, that's no worry. But my wife, she's a journalist also, she was interviewing a war correspondent who had been in Afghanistan in the most crazy situations. He came back in the Netherlands and then he wanted to start dating, but he was so scared about buying condoms. Oh. <laughs> and that's part of the aged generation. I have used maybe twice in my life I've used a yeah. condom. I think I should be scared if I should go now to a pharmacy to ask for condoms. Mm. You'd be embarrassed about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you're not used to that. And I think it's interesting that there's this perception, certainly in the UK, may, may be different elsewhere, but of the classic sort of filthy older woman or the dirty old man, you know? So that when there is an older man or an older woman who seems sexually available or um, who wants to uh, be flirty or to have sex with people, okay. that they are then sort of crossed off as a joke or something disgusting or taboo, you know? Okay, yeah, good girls go to heaven, nice girls go everywhere. <laughs> if you want to live, do you want to do exactly what God told you or the parish priest told you or do you want to live? Mm. That's, that's one of the problems on sexuality in old age. Do you want to be only not dead or do you want to be real alive? Yeah. And a lot of people are sexually dead and not at all alive and mm. other people and quite a lot of, and that's a growing group of people who is real sexual alive but again here some difference between the men and the women because usually you marry a man who's two years older than you mm. roughly men die four years earlier so you have six you could say cohorts of women without a partner we don't know how that will be in another 20 years. When you get the women from this baby boom generation who have been in the sexual liberation, when they get older and are all alone, are they going to do it together? Are they going to, go to use vibrators? Are they going to share men? We don't know what will happen. Mm. We know now when you look in the foster homes, in the, in the aged homes in the Netherlands, where you have many more women than men, and let's say you have 40 women and five men, what are the five men doing? They have sex outside the home. Oh, not in the home? No. Because I imagine it's like a dating society, basically, within the care home. Among the women, there is so much jealousy. The women have not yet learned how to share sexually. And that's, of course, when you are young and married, that's maybe very wise. But when you are 75 and alone, that's maybe not a wise idea. It's a real but argument for... Vibrators. And, <laughs> <laughs> and being a lesbian. <laughs>
quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I want to talk a bit more about sort of um, lesbian, gay and trans couples or, or, or people as they age. Are there any issues that particularly come up for them? One of the problems, even in the Netherlands, is that people have to go back in the closet. Because the people in old age care quite regularly are from a religious denomination. Because the old age homes, they are usually started by the religious organizations. Oh, okay. And they are not very open to the gay people. Um, I had um, purchased the website statelyhomo.com because I wanted to set up a gay retirement home. Oh. <laughs> and obviously I had this sort of weird idea that it would be staffed by go-go boy think, carers. I don't think it's weird. I think it's very wise. So I, I think they, it's very, very well, wise. Well, they they've opened the first one in Germany already and there's one in the UK opening up later, I think this year or early next year. So I think these are hopefully places that men, women, that can be themselves and be authentically themselves and not have to come in and come out all the, all the time. You know, they don't have to restrain who they are yeah. because they've spent maybe 40 years being that out person yeah. and actually trying to then parcel that, you know, wrap that person up again must be incredibly exhausting. You know, you've been really proud to be the person you are. Now I'm going into a mostly heterosexual yeah. nursing home or care home and I have to button that entirely it's up. It's not the way that you want to spend the last however many years of your life, is it? You know, I, I, I don't like segregation in that sense. I do like integration. But actually there are issues in terms of feeling entirely comfortable as your authentic self. Yeah. And I recognise that's where these places which would allow for um, LGBTQ plus people to be together, but it does seem like a, a place where it, it you know, could be of great value. I'm regularly looking into a website with porn stories and there is nearly, nearly nothing on senior sexuality stories, uh, porn, soft porn, erotica, uh, yeah. there is nearly nothing, which is very sad for if, if you always have to read stories about young people when you are 80 years of age. Yeah. And the same, I'm already for 15 years trying to make a book on uh, porn stories for people with physical impairment, people, stories of somebody in a wheelchair, somebody, stories of somebody with multiple sclerosis, who's blind, who's deaf, and always they can have fantastic life, sex, sexual life, 
but nobody writes it down as a porn story. And I think if you don't see it or hear it or read it, then you often think it doesn't exist. Yes, yes. But that's one of the mistakes of us. If we don't ask to our patients about sexuality, we become part of the problem. A lot of women lose their partner at age 74, 78, 83, and nearly never that a professional asks about your sexual life after your partner died. I've had that conversation so, once in a private situation where we were discussing how to give a blowjob with or without your false teeth. And it was wow. fascinating. It was utterly fascinating. A woman you know, in, in, in her later years, um, very glamorous, very elegant. Um, but she was just talking about the men that she was dating and the fact that they were often older than her and shuffling around in bath slippers and stuff like that because they were limited mobility. And what do you do with oral sex and a limp penis? And it was a fascinating conversation, but it really made me think then about my patients more holistically. You know, when I see an older patient, do I now think about in my head going, they actually have this full life that they, part of it they've led, but also part of it they've yet to experience, and what do they want for that, and do they want sex to be part of it? And I recognise I don't ask that enough at all. It's so interesting, even when you were telling me that story, I have this sort of internal, like, shock and... I'm going to say it like revulsion, <laughs> and no, but and which I shouldn't, I don't, shouldn't no, have, no, no, no. But which which I have to question. But it's something that I think I've been taught that I I don't see it. I don't see older bodies being framed in a sexual way, and that is a problem. In all a positive way at all. Yeah. Or in, yes. Indeed, indeed. And so I, f I have this natural reaction, which, which then, as I get older, I think, well, even now at thirty-four. I'm like, yeah, well, probably the best days are gone. <laughs> I mean, But ridiculous. maybe, maybe that has partly to do with how we see and learn about sexuality. Mm -hmm. Because when you see pictures or stories or movies about sexuality, it's always well performed. It's always with beautiful bodies and you always leave the wrinkles and the wrong sites, you leave that away. Mm. And the reality is of course different. Mm. No one ever leaks during sex, no one ever farts during sex, unless that's part of the niche market you're going for. Farting so, is one of, one, one of the biggest fears of so many aged people when they have to restart dating. Really? Yes. <laughs> when you grow older, you're... you're uh, um, Sphincter. Anal, Sphincters. Anal, yeah. They are working not that well, so you more easily. And, and then, the, as we said, lots of women, women can become incontinent, or partially incontinent, or when they when they orgasm, they might release some urine. Men are the same after prostate cancer. If they, for example, have an operation on their prostate or the radiotherapy, they can lose the ability to ejaculate at all. And you mean actual urine when you're talking about women, absolutely, having, as opposed Absol to actual female urine. Actual yeah. urine. So mm. men and women, it's called climaturia. Mm. So basically, when you climax, you basically um, pee. Mm. at the same time. And you can understand, you know, are you going to have oral sex if you pee? Mm. You know, how are you going to arrange the circumstances by which you will have sex? Mm -hmm. um, what does, you know, how do you discuss that with someone going, now my prostate's gone, not only will, I'm not sure if anything will come out, but you know, a pfft. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what's gonna come out. We might come out, it might be painful for me. Oh. And what is so important at old age, humor.
Yes. Humor. Yeah, and actually being able to have these sorts of conversations more openly, I suppose, would lead to understanding, which would lead to humor, because yeah. it's not something shocking or disgusting. It's something that's part natural that happens to all of us if we get to an older age, um, and, and and part of life, actually. Yes, but there is there is something strange with sexuality. We have in all other areas of life. We accept imperfections, except in sexuality. Do you drive a Porsche or <laughs> no. a Ford Mustang? <laughs> no, no, I not. And a lot of people accept that they don't drive a Porsche or a Mustang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sexually, I want perfectionism. Yeah. I want a good erection and a perfect body. And so, mm -hmm. let's forget it. Mm. No sex, please. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> One of the topics where I very regularly have to talk about conditions is when a couple, uh, they fall in love, they marry, and then let's say after three or four years they say, wow, now we are ready, we want to get a baby. Then they start trying to get a baby and then in the beginning sexuality goes, wow, goes fantastic, but after four or five months, if you're not yet pregnant, then it goes down, goes down, goes down, and then finally they have no more sex, or very rotten sex, and then they, they came to us, and sometimes there is a medical reason, but nearly always there is kind of insufficiency uh, in conception. And then we work about how to get the conditions for sexual excitement. And that is if you go to dance together. Not for all, because you have some man who get very nervous about dancing, but for many people it can be dancing. It can be go to the sauna, do sports together, even do a, a job, a manual job together. I remember once we had troubles in, in our cellar because in the kitchen something was leaking and I was standing there only in my underpants and my wife in her... Uh, standing there, and we got so aroused, very <laughs> <laughs> dirty. And then DIY. Walk, walking things together and doing things together, which you commonly don't do. It was a lot of intimacy. Mm. And that is, a lot of people suddenly realize, ah, yeah, that's what we are missing, that kind of intimacy. And it's, it's connecting. It's, it's not only looking into each other's eyes and say, I love you so much. Yeah. No, it's sometimes in a very different way. Yeah. And that, finding back that, is, is so important. Mm. One of the things which I a little bit discovered over the last two years is that when uh, I'm a little bit distracted, I have some pictures of my wife when she was young. And some are more uh, a little bit nude and others are less in the nude, but on the period when I fell in love with her, and I have on my desktop, I have a very beautiful picture of my wife, the first half year when we fell in love. I just have to look at that and bang, it's there again. <laughs> it's, and that is what, what I recommend now sometimes young people, make some beautiful pictures of you together, of your partner uh, in, in very sexy attire, uh, so that you can use that after 20, 30, 40 years when mm, your breasts are a little bit sagging or your body is not so straight. That's what I fell in love with. Let's go on. But thinking of that positively rather than thinking, oh, look what I've lost. 
we wrote a book, uh, it's now two years ago, Cancer, Intimacy and Sexuality, a Practical Approach. And I, I was editing that with, with a colleague and I wanted a chapter in it uh, on intimacy and sexuality in the last phase. And I had a colleague and she wrote a chapter and she called it uh, Sexuality at End of Life. And one of the things she said was in the last stage that we tend to forget that the person who is close to death still needs being touched, but we don't touch. Then we are so scared to touch. That's what all the professionals are doing. They are not touching anymore and that's so important. That was one of the important messages. The other was, and that's what I know from my own research as well, that there is no reason to stop with that. People, some people go on with sexuality, sometimes even aggressive sexuality, sometimes very intimate sexuality in many different ways because people are so, so different. There are so many exceptions in our field. We have to accept the variety and not tell it is like this or it is like that. All, all is possible. Yeah, it's nice to give a soundbite and to give a percentage and to give you know, a, a pigeonholed answer but I find myself often going, I have no idea. And, and, and that can be very difficult for me, because I want to know an answer, I want to give a perfect answer, but also it can be really difficult for the patient going, actually, you know, we often get asked the question, how long do I have left? And you know, I, I have no idea is often my honest answer, but actually people really want to know so they can plan, they can have a, a really good idea. But I've, you know, I've, had, I've had people who I expected to die that week Five years later, they're still here. And I've seen others who look you know, in the picture of health and thinking, God, you're going to last years. Within a few days, they've passed away. So my answer should be like what you say. I don't know, but make the maximum out of it. Yes. <laughs> of, of if it be it three days or three years, make the maximum out of it. There's a lot of stories of people getting married very suddenly, yeah. right, as soon as they, they hear that they haven't got long to go. And we saw also sometimes young people with, spine, uh, with uh, muscle diseases and we, once in a while, we got the question, I don't want to die as a virgin. Can you help us? Wow. This is one of the questions I'd actually added. I just wanted, I didn't know whether it would be appropriate to bring it up, but I mean, I mean, how do you feel about using sex workers or, I think there's, there's, a, there's a nice phrase for sexual therapists who are physically involved. I, I don't know what the term is. Um, how do you feel about uh, sexual surrogates, shall we say? It is in Holland, we have it already for 40 years. But this is very common for me uh, as a rehab sexologist or for the rehab physician. Uh, if somebody never can get a partner and maybe never even will find somebody to have sex with, to say there is the possibility of a sex worker and we have two big organizations in the Netherlands with men and women, but of course more women than men. And but is this legal? Can... This is in the Netherlands, sex work? Yes, and if it was not legal, then we make it legal because we need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different approach. Yeah. I, I, know. I know. I'm very pro sex workers. I think it, they, they perform a fundamental role in society. I also recognise the, you know, the sex trafficking on the other side of it. However, the role, for example, particularly in rehabilitation they, medicine... They, or, they know very well how to take care for somebody. They know how to deal with that. They yeah. are trained to deal with that. Yeah. So that's their job. So we recommend sometimes, we, we give the possibility or we have to arrange. Now, with this boy of 21 years of age, with a uh, muscular disease, 
most of those women, they are 35, 40 years of age, which is a bit too much. So once in a while we arranged it in another way. In one of those cases, the sister of the, the boy had a girlfriend and she talked with her girlfriend and we were explaining the girlfriend how to deal with his muscular diseases. And, and then two weeks after that he died and his sister and the girl were standing both at the grave, both very happy. That's wow. God, I just felt like I was about to burst into tears. That was really slightly overwhelming and not where I thought that was going at all, but that's, that's incredibly the moving. Situations, that's the situations, if, if you dare to listen to what, what there is, that happened. And if you dare to ask and you dare not to judge, what, what would people do to try and help someone else? Yeah. A lot of people don't do what they maybe should like to do, but they don't dare to do. And the comfort zone is, do you dare to tell your partner what you want? Do you dare to tell what you don't want? Do you dare to try a, a lubricant? Do you dare to try a vibrator? Think about getting out of your comfort zone. If any of the issues you've heard about today have affected you or anyone you know, you can seek advice and help at the College of Sexual Relationship Therapists who support people living with cancer, disabilities and long-term illness. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Podcast. If you enjoyed this, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the series a boost and help other people find us. Give us five stars, you lovely lot. Thank you to Acast for hosting us. Matt Peaver for editing us. Ollie Birch for the music. And Sam Smith for the graphics. Join us next time when we interview another guest for their insights on intimacy and the relationship we have to our bodies, sex and of course, pleasure. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.